Welcome to our Wednesday morning chapel in this most sacred week. Uh, we begin our worship today with the words from Isaiah 53. Please join me in the responsory. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our scripture reading for today is taken from 1 John chapter 1, beginning with verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 
And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. A number of years ago, a group from Bethany went over to Israel on a trip and for about two weeks um, went to the Holy Land and went all of the different places that we learn about and especially the New Testament, Old Testament too. And I happened to be along on that trip. It was a wonderful trip. It kind of concluded in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was some of our final stops. And one day they took us down to the, the spot where the ancient temple had been built and there were still portions of a wall there. And as we were going through there and our guide was walking with us, uh, I noticed that a number of Jewish men with yarmulkes on their head would walk by and they would shield their eyes when they walked past us. And a couple of them turned their heads away um, and one of them, I remember, actually went out of his way to avoid getting near us. And I came up to our tour guide and I said, what is all that about? And she said, there are some beautiful women in your group and they are afraid of looking at their beauty being so close to the temple where God was. And they are afraid that God might strike them. Wow. <laughs> And notice there weren't any women doing that with us guys that were there. But, <laughs> but I thought, wow, what a, first of all, kind of shallow understanding of what sin is. But secondly, to, to think of living with a thought of God being like that, to just interactively possibly taking you out for something like that. In the text before us, St. John addresses a subject we sometimes in theology called perfectionism. It's not just a psychological thing. Some people have that in their way, but in a theological way, an idea known as perfectionism. It's, it's really a false concept that if, if you're a real Christian and if you just try hard enough, you could actually get all sin out of your life. And that's what perfectionism sounds like. It, it show, has shown up in different movements. Methodism had elements of it. The Quaker movement is another one. Even in Eastern Orthodoxy, there was an idea that you, if you strive hard enough in your faith and get strong enough and you can, you can develop this mystical union with Christ and the process of getting justified before God takes place by you improving slowly and slowly, higher and higher over time until you finally reach that spot of mystical union with God. What does he say? If we, if we claim we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I'm not a sinner because I commit sins every day, and sad to say I do, but rather I commit sins every day because I am so spiritually full of sin through and through. Luther used to talk about an indwelling sin. It's just a condition. One of my semprofs put it this way, we miss the point if we think of sin only in terms of something we did wrong. It's actually a fountain inside of us. It's a condition that's just inside of each one of us. And God, in his word, would have us recognize that condition that we are in. And along with that, the tremendous need that we always have for confession, for repentance of our sins before him. And this is where he desires to meet us, in that acknowledgement of our condition. 
confession is, is sometimes in certain churches treated like a, a door that you go through when you become a Christian. And once you get into that room of Christianity, you don't have to keep going through that door. No, God would have us instead look at confession and repentance like breathing, something that the believer is just needing to be engaged in continually to keep us at the foot of the cross and to keep us humble before God and reliant upon his grace. God always sees us exactly as we are. The Bible often refers, it uses the word naked to describe it. And uh, not just physically naked, but especially spiritually naked. So this need for confession is one that, that the early church realized needed to be in the liturgy regularly. Every week to start the service with that. The, um, the, the, the Lord's Supper was established by our Savior, knowing that we would often need to receive this. The Lord's Prayer includes a petition about asking God to forgive us for our sins. Martin Luther made sure in his daily prayers, both evening and morning, to include statements about this as well. So God would have us understand confession like breathing and uh, recognizing our, our condition and status by ourself and just how desperately we need what Christ has come to do for us. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that God sees everything about us all the time. He knows the deepest parts of us. He knows the lowest parts of your life and my life. But here's the thing. He still loves you. He still cares about you. He still wants to have a relationship with you. He still made sure to have you baptized. He still makes sure to have you hear his preaching and proclamation of his word. He, he knows the worst. Of, how many people in your life, if they knew the worst about you, would leave you? <laughs> but God doesn't. He stays committed to you continually, despite how deep or often your sins may occur. Sometimes we, we might think about, kind of like that guy at the temple, those men walking around shielding their eyes, we might think about God like someone who's out hunting us, looking for us with his rifle, and we're out in the woods trying to stay away from him. And when we think about our sinfulness, we maybe want to try to hide behind the biggest trees and see if we can get away from him. But we, we need to remember that there's nothing beyond his vision. He has night cameras set up through the whole forest. And the more you try to escape uh, his eye, uh, the more he's going to look for you and hunt you down. But St. John here instructs each one of us how we are to deal with this. He invites you and me to come out, of the clear, come out into the clearing, come out of the trees, get out into the open space, and stop trying to hide from God. Run towards the hunter. Drop down in front of him on your knees and simply admit your condition. And then he lays down his weapons. He calls off the search dogs. And he comes rushing to your side like the father and the prodigal son. And through his, the message of his grace, he embraces you and he hugs you just like that dad did to his son. Despite the stench of pig excrement on him, he still loved and hugged his son. And that's how your God is to you. And this week, this week is when we celebrate how and why that all took place. Because of the great sacrifice God's own son had to come to make for you and me. He is the propitiation. It's a word we don't use in English very much. It means the very thing that appeased the wrath of God. 
I remember a dogmatics professor said, it's as if God took a truckload of ice and dumped it on a campfire to cool it. That, that, that Christ is the ice that has cooled the wrath of God toward every one of us for all the sins that we have in our life. And so during this Holy Week, and as you celebrate the, the wonderful resurrection of your Savior, let yourself just bask in the glow of this marvelous grace of your God. The one who knows everything about you and yet still loves you, still forgives you, still wants you to be his child, still wants you to come to heaven. Trust in him. Amen. Please rise as we join in a prayer and then our Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> Grant, we beseech you, Almighty God, that we who for our evil deeds are continually afflicted may mercifully be relieved by the passion of your only begotten Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. And we join in the prayer our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Go in his peace. Amen.